Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs and become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Take in this theater of the mind. Welcome to the Simply Scary Podcast, Season 1, Episode 5. I'm your Master of Ceremonies, G.M. Danielson. Halloween Season has come and gone, leaving only the faint scent of chocolate and bloody nightmares hanging in the air. If you're anything like us, you went a bit too far with indulging your thirst this Halloween. Yes, inevitably, we all drink in too much horror media on All Hallows' Eve. What's that you say? You thought I was going to say we took in too much of something else? Well, of course we all have our own Halloween poison. Fortunately for you, we know exactly what to snack on during that special hangover from Halloween. And since there's nothing but Thanksgiving and Christmas ahead of us, we offer up two generous servings of horrific comfort food. Now, let us begin without delay. 
Tom has a simple need for a part-time job, and the local burger joint looks like a good place to make a few easy bucks as a busboy. However, meeting the restaurant owner Henry and his shift leader Cynthia leads him into a deadly mystery. Tyler Bowman and author Cole Long cook up something truly grotesque with Welcome to Steinfield Burger Place. Steinfeld's Burger Palace was a popular joint in my hometown. Sometimes you'd have to reserve a spot a week in advance just to get a table. The diner was known for its famous Henry Burgers, which were named after the owner, Henry Steinfeld. Henry was a very secretive man, always kept to himself and never let anyone into his personal bubble. He was extremely heavy set, well above average height and having some physical deformities. He always stayed in the back so he wouldn't have to talk to anyone. The only time his customers would see him was very late at night when he left the shop or if you asked for him. The first time I met him was the summer after my senior year of high school. I needed a part-time job and saw he was looking for a busboy. One day around lunchtime, I decided to stop by and give Henry my resume. As I walked in, I noticed there were only a few people seated in a booth in the back of the diner, stuffing their faces with burgers about three inches thick, juices running down their chins. After a few minutes, I heard the kitchen double doors open. Very slowly, loud, heavy footsteps came in my direction. Can I help you? I heard the vehement rumble behind me. I turned around as Henry stood there and glared at me. I took a few deep gulps to get my nerve up and handed him my resume. I nervously stood there as he investigated the paper up and down, analyzing it like a police report. You want to work here? He looked down deep into my eyes as he towered over me like a giant. Yes, I realized it was the only statement I could muster up. He stood there for another few minutes, looked at me with his lazy eye, the sweat on my forehead dripped on my white button-down shirt. Stains erupted on my armpits as anxiety built. Come in tomorrow, 3 p.m. sharp. He handed me the paper, and I watched him as he waddled back to the kitchen. I got there exactly at 3 p.m. the following day. I closed my eyes and took several deep breaths as I opened the door to my new job opportunity. At the counter, I noticed Henry was waiting on my timely arrival. You made it! He said, looking at his watch, his booming voice echoed off the walls like a cathedral. Come with me. I followed him through the double doors. They slammed shut with force, almost knocked me to the ground. The back of the diner was bigger than what I thought. It reminded me of a warehouse, dark and dingy, with overhead lights that flickered like a heartbeat. As I glared around, I tried to take everything in. I ran straight into Henry. I'm sorry. I looked down at the red cement ground, embarrassed by my actions. Here's the kitchen. He motioned all around. This is where I stay. I nodded. Over there, he pointed, is where we keep the meat. There was a silver double door in the back of the kitchen, fastened with a padlock. I have a couple of rules if you're going to work here. I looked up into his eyes, his right one floating slightly out of alignment. Rule one, don't bother me while I'm working. I listened to his every word and watched his every movement. 
Rule two. That back door right there? He pointed at the two silver doors. Never open those. Keeping the meat clean and cool is the difference between keeping the burgers coming and something going wrong and getting shut down. I understand, I started to say. Rule three. Don't bother asking me for the recipe for the burgers. It's a secret, and while it's nothing too fancy, keeping it a secret does create a mystery about them that keeps people coming back. He pushed the medium black apron on my chest and motioned for me to go out front. I was greeted by a short, medium-billed blonde girl. Hi, I'm Cynthia, she said as she smiled. Her teeth glistened like a couple of diamonds in the desert. I'm Tom, I said back nervously. She was a pretty girl, very alluring in appearance, not wearing much makeup, only enough to brighten her eyes up. She also had her hair and a cute ponytail that showed off her model-esque jawline and bright blue eyes. And on the nape of her neck, she had a tattoo of a tiny C. So, Tom, I'm going to show you the ropes today. She grabbed her red riding pad. Most of our customers come in around five. That is usually our prime time of serving. Henry told me you're only bussing. Am I correct? That's right, I said back to her. It isn't a hard job, but Henry is very precise of how he wants things done. We headed over to one of the empty tables. I think I already learned that, I laughed at the thought. Don't worry, you'll get used to him and how he runs things, she said as she smiled back at me. She went on to tell me everything that had to be cleaned up by midnight. Henry, before he left the diner, checked everything to make sure it was up to his standard. She showed me the precise way of cleaning off the tables, making sure the floors swept and mopped every night, and the register money had to stay in the safe under the front desk. The night went by pretty fast. I caught on pretty quickly to Henry's strict rules and policies. Even though my boss was a bit strange, I realized I was going to love this job. The atmosphere was great, the customers were warm and friendly, and I enjoyed being around new people. At 11 p.m., everyone scattered like mice on their way to find cheese. I brushed my face off from the sweat that had built up throughout the night. I could feel my cheeks break out with the heat from the exhaustion of the day. How do you feel about everything? Do you have any questions? Cynthia's beautiful blue eyes seemed to shine as she looked at me. I think I have everything, I said back to her, trying to hide my red swollen face. If you have any questions, just remember to ask me in the morning. Have a great night. I watched her through the open window as she walked out of the restaurant to the alleyway. Her ponytail danced along with her slender body. When I grabbed my car keys to leave, I noticed I still had my apron on. I took it off and headed to the kitchen to put it back on the rack. As I opened the doors, I heard a woman's voice around the corner. I immediately stopped everything so I wouldn't be heard. I adjusted my body to see where the voices were coming from. At a slight acute angle, I could see Henry and a big busted brunette woman talking. She was wearing a red crop top, a mini leather skirt, and black high heels. Even being far away, I could see that the mascara was smeared all over her face, giving her a raccoon look. Without meaning to, I held my breath. Towering over her, Henry pressed his hands against her face and brought it up to his. 
The moment lasted for a few seconds as the woman adjusted her weight, trying to free herself. They both stood there, eyeing each other for what seemed like decades. He reached into his pocket and pulled out some cash. The woman brought out her hand to accept the invitation as he motioned for her to go into the other room with him. Henry pulled off the padlock of the double doors, slightly opened it, and they both disappeared into the darkness. I could finally breathe again. Throwing the apron on the rack, I bolted out of the restaurant. The next day, I intended to tell Cynthia about Henry, the money, and the woman I saw last night, to see what she thought. When I got to the diner, I peeked through the window to see if I could see her, but I only saw a few customers sitting at the counter. The first thing I noticed when I walked through the front doors was Henry limping badly as he walked out of the kitchen. He came straight over to me. Clearly not in a good mood, he said, Cynthia quit, so you'll have to take over. He eyed me as he walked up to the counter. I got it, sir, I nervously said. He limped back into the kitchen and I started helping customers. He pulled out hamburgers left and right, mostly the special Henry burgers with the special sauce. My mouth was watering just looking at it. A big beef patty, lettuce, tomato, and a red sauce that everyone said was so addictive. Right before dinner time, when things slowed down a bit, I decided I should try one of these burgers for myself. I asked Henry if he could make me one. He grunted and sent me out on my way as I went on break. I sat down at the very back of the restaurant to have a little bit of privacy. I looked at the colossal burger on the plate with its red juices dripping out. It was the biggest burger I had ever seen in my life. So thick that you had to use a knife to cut it into tiny pieces to eat it. After the portions were right, I stuffed one of the sections into my mouth. The delicate red sauce oozed out, dripping on my chin. I made a spot on my white button-up. I quickly grabbed a napkin and cleaned up the stain. I finally understood why this burger was so popular and addicting. Not only was the burger juicy, the red sauce was warm and sweet, which made the taste buds come alive. I closed my eyes and took in every morsel until the dinner bell rang. The rest of the night picked up and then slowed down again. After the diner rush, it was time to start cleaning up to go home. I grabbed the mop and bucket from the closet to clean the red tile that went the length of the whole diner. First, I wanted to clean behind the counter to get any food that may have dropped. I bent down on my knees and scraped hours old sauce that was stuck on the tile. I moved the mop back and forth to make sure I got everything. As I stood up, something caught my attention. Wedged in between the bottom of the counter, there was a square-shaped pen. With a little force, I could get the pen out from the tiny hiding place. As I turned it over, I saw it was Cynthia's name tag. I laid her name tag on the counter and started thinking. Did she have it on yesterday? I know she had it on because I kept looking at it. Suddenly, I heard a loud banging sound that came from the kitchen area. I grabbed the name tag and stuffed it in my pants pocket. I pretended to start mopping as I peeked through the tiny hole that housed the food. Henry came out of the room with the silver doors and quickly locked it behind him. 
As I watched him, he put the key in a jar adjacent to the room. This is when I knew I had to know what was behind those doors. During training the night before, I remembered Cynthia said that Henry always left at 11.30 every night. Why? I had asked her. No one knows, and I don't want to find out. She'd reluctantly said and moved on to the next task. I rushed to get everything done as the next few hours ticked by like molasses. The adrenaline went through my veins. Inched down from my head to my toes, I played with the salt shakers, pushed them back and forth as I watched the clock. Click, click, click. I heard heavy footsteps as the minute hand landed on 11.30. As I peeked through the little window towards the kitchen, I watched Henry as he walked out of his office. His leg dragged behind him, belly bulging out of his white grease-stained t-shirt, and he was holding a large heap of clothing. Right before he got to the back exit, he grabbed a big black trash bag. He ejected saliva on the concrete floor before he exited the building. When the coast was clear, I quickly went through the two doors that led to the back. I knew I only had a little bit of time to explore. I first looked around the room. Everything looked normal to me. The stove was off, but the little light above it was on. As I walked around, the main fluorescent lights flicked, signaling that I needed to hurry. I saw the door to his office, the only wooden object in the whole building. The door squeaked loudly when I opened it, echoing through the room. I turned on the light so I could see the room better. There was nothing but clothes in his room, put in a big pile right in the middle of the floor. I walked over and started looking through it. All the women's clothing. There were t-shirts, pants, skirts, shoes, and the most disturbing yet, underwear. As I moved some of the top pile over, I recognized an outfit. It was something so simple, but it stuck with me. A red crop top, a mini leather skirt, and black high heels. I picked up the red top and examined it. I could still smell the fragrant, flowery perfume. I dropped the shirt, moved back the pile, and left the room. When I turned around, the two silver doors called me. I reached up and grabbed the key that was nestled nicely in the jar. When I successfully grabbed it, I slid the key right into the padlock. It fell on the ground, hitting the concrete floor with force. The doors slowly opened up, showing nothing but darkness. The smell filled my nostrils, sweet, heavy, nauseating. I covered my nose and mouth to try to mask the decrepit, vile smell. As I turned on the lights, it flickered for a second, trying to gain its heartbeat. At first, I thought my eyes were playing tricks on me, but as I blinked three times, realizing I wasn't imagining it. On the ceiling, there were meat hooks. The ones that hang down from a long metal chain. Normally, butchers use these for pigs and cattle 
to hang the meat up after they're done skinning the animal, but on these meat hooks were skinned human body parts. Right in front of me were legs, torsos, arms, moving back and forth on the hooks like dust in the wind. In the corner, the corpses were piled up in disordered mounds, scattered here and there, an immense haunting buzzing filled the air. Thousands of heavy blue flies were hovering over the bodies, the pools of blood, the fecal matter. I wanted to close my eyes or put my hand over my eyes. And at the same time, I wanted to look, to look as much as I could, and by looking, to understand this incomprehensible thing. I heard the chains rattling as one of the swaying torsos caught my attention. I slowly walked over to it, trying not to step on anything. In between the monstrous amount of blood was a remnant of skin. On it was the letter C. I slowly stepped away, inch by inch, towards the door towards the only exit that would get me out of here. When I neared the doorway, that's when I heard the footsteps, coming right towards me. As I turned, Henry was right behind me, making puddles on the concrete floor. When he looked at me, his lazy eye looked towards his creations, seemingly to smile. Fresh is better, but you've never tasted fresh blood. Have you? His scarlet-soaked teeth protruded as he grinned at me. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, children of the dark, it turns out that our hero Tom went from busboy to meal of the day in just a short while. Now you can't say that isn't a business with lots of potential for advancement. As we leave the blood and bodies of our former tale and get cleaned up for our next, let's hear a quick message that will certainly whet your appetite before our next course. Behind every closed door lies the unknown. But behind these doors lies the unseen. Your curiosity begs, but will you dare to open them? From author James Dermond comes an anthology of six stories which touch worlds beyond your daily reality. Doorways to the unseen. Pass through these doors and experience places that seem real, but present visions of unimaginable horror. A summer escape becomes an inescapable nightmare of death. An attic containing a dark family secret and a warning for the living. An internment camp where the tormentors become the tormented. A small town engulfed in an unnameable madness a mundane setting turned inside out, and a remote mountain monastery which shelters a frightening ancient presence. Doorways to the Unseen. Available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Find out more at jamesdermond.com. Doorways to the Unseen. Step inside the hidden, where the unknown and the unimaginable meet doorways to the unseen available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble ooh hope you're enjoying this tasty episode for after Halloween now just to point you in the right direction here folks I need you, after the show, to go to simplyscarypodcast.com. At the top of the page, you'll see the patrons link. Become a patron and you can help support us to create the kind of horror entertainment that you deserve. Now, back to our show. And now, for the next dish up for tasting. Picture, if you will. A man sits in a greasy spoon diner, enjoying the stale atmosphere for what it is. But the peaceful climate waits to be broken. Danger is coming. Or maybe it is already there. Please enjoy Stuart Kurth's recipe for a startling performance 
of Darren Totem's tale, Diner. I sat slowly circling the teaspoon around my black coffee, creating swirls of bubbles so perfect a combination had never occurred in existence, would never occur again, yet were the production of something so utterly banal no one would ever appreciate their complexity. This cup was a perfect microcosm of my surroundings, a motorway diner that was somewhere but nowhere, a place where people passed through but never visited. Lives imprinted here for a moment, yet, like a name written in breath on a window, would never leave a mark on their surroundings. The diner was like an old, yellow, dog-eared photo of itself. Dirty blinds covered the windows, slicing the light from passing cars into searching shafts that crawled across the walls. The tables were shrink-wrapped in scarred, white, clean plastic that would require far more than a wipe to clean and the floor was a disfigured chessboard of black and white parquet grimacing at me with cement cavities. This faded facsimile of Americana was supported by the reproduction 60s jukebox leaning lazily on the far wall, although Enya's Caribbean blue drifting from the speakers shattered the illusion somewhat. It was a dump, but being the only diner in a 40 mile radius meant that it was busy. Every permutation of every possible decision meant people's lives would crisscross here like tracks in the snow. Their impact only felt until the snow melted. Toilet breaks, rest stops, breakdowns, refueling, and a million other contrivances of consequence drew strangers here. Whatever their motive, I doubted the promise of quality food was one of them. A hunch of smoke clung jealously to the ceiling outside the kitchen door where a steady stream of plates were shuttled to the tables. The taste of greasy air kept toying with the back of my throat. To me it made no odds. I didn't really care. I wasn't here to eat their food. It was about 9.30pm. I had been sat here in a booth alone long enough that my coffee had become cold, and long enough that my waitress had noticed. Deep red lipstick, violet eyeshadow, red horn rimmed glasses, and squeezed into a uniform that shouted walking cliché. Though she was a large lady, she had made a better job of shrink-wrapping herself than they had done the tables. The seams of her dress strained as she strode towards me with an air of practiced authority. Her red frizzy hair gently bounced as she approached, thrusting out her large breasts which bounced in unison albeit not so gently. She looked like something from a Farsight cartoon. I allowed myself a wry smile, and it must have come off as insincere. Something wrong with the coffee there, darling? She said, her lazy drawl making it more of an accusation than a question. Uh, no, sorry, I was miles away. You want a refill? This is our busiest time and I can't have you taking up a booth paying for anything. Thudding her coffee pot down beside my cup. She smelled of lipstick and chip fat. I looked past her breast and into her eyes. She was looking for confrontation, so I merely smiled and nodded in acquiescence. Tutting, she poured me another cup. Her fat fingers bursting out from under her rings, of which she had many. Her hands reminded me of balloon animals. I noticed no wedding ring, though. 
and through her confidence around men, she must have been married. Divorced now or widowed then, complexity hidden by triviality. Like the coffee she poured. She caught me staring at her fingers and questioning my probing eyes turned fast and made her way back towards the kitchen. I watched her for a moment, angry with myself that I'd given her a reason to remember me. Almost in sympathy of my concern, she recognised someone entering the diner and squealing with delight gave this rather fat man a warm embrace. He returned the gesture, squeezing both her and the mild annoyance from my mind. The diner had filled up by now and the atmosphere was thick with conversation. Hushed speech hung in the air like smoke. Anonymous talk that was familiar but at the same time foreign. I liked it here. I was ambiguous like the words. The chatter intertwined like vines, meaning being lost in the noise. A phrase or two recognisable but the overall effect was like static. One of the purest truths is that you can never feel more alone than when in a large crowd of strangers. This made me feel invisible and was something I thrived on. Spending much of my time in places like these, you understand how people enjoy being around other people while simultaneously being alone. No eye contact made and conversation rarely struck up, sharing time with others privately. Tonight was different. In the corner was a group of three, two men and a girl. Both men must have been late twenties. Their denims, edge sneakers and dirty hooded jumpers made them look immediately out of place with the usual trucker clientele. I assumed the girl was the girlfriend of one, possibly both. Her hair was dark, greasy and pinned back in a ponytail. She looked tired and kept pulling the sleeves of her jumper over her hands like a nervous tick. Both men were sat opposite each other, having an intent discussion. They were perched on their elbows, arguing about something or other. As they talked, their eyes wandered through the faces of the diner. They were surveying the customers, gauging everyone, in particular sizing up the men. I knew this, because this is what I did. The bigger of the two had a shaven head with a dusting of stubble that gleamed with sweat. His pronounced jaw and lowbrow made him look slow, but his intelligence was betrayed by his eyes. They moved fast through the patchwork of faces, analysing the men, summarising who would be the greatest threat and who needed to be controlled. He met my gaze and immediately his eyes danced from mine with a jolt of disinterest. Most likely due to my small frame and pale, sickly complexion. The smaller of the two was agitated and nervous. He had his head and eyes underneath his hood and was flicking the tip of a fork off his bottom lip, compounding the neuroticism of the girl who snatched at the fork with one of her small hands. Echoing the girl's anxiety, the fork nervously danced from her grip across the tabletop, clattering against the wall and landing on the floor. The noise evaporated into the bustle of the evening's trade. But the smaller of the two men froze and glared at the girl. His shoulders hunched, and with slow deliberation he reached across to the girl's hands and squeezed her knuckles until his went white. The larger man reached across and touched the other's forearm, nodding to the oblivious patrons lost in their thoughts and talk. He let go. Her hand whipped back into her sleeve and she wiped the newly emerging tears from her eyes. I looked down at my coffee. I hadn't intended to drink the last cup and I didn't intend to drink this cup. 
I found the black liquid more soothing to my mind than my body. I loved how the dark circle absorbed all light, casting no reflection as I stared at it. Almost like it was listening to and contemplating my thoughts. As my coffee gazed back, I felt a pang of hunger deep within me rising to the tip of my throat. This helped sharpen my thoughts. It was now at the peak of the evening's trade. I would normally act, but the situation had become dangerously unpredictable with the addition of the three strangers. We were at opposite ends of a chessboard, but only one side knew they were playing. It hardly seemed fair. The larger of the men reached out and held the girl's hands in his. He spoke softly and deliberately to her for a moment, and pulling a sports bag from under the table, digging through its contents, he handed her something wrapped in a dirty towel. She stood and tentatively made her way towards the entrance, quietly slipping out the front door, careful not to open it wide enough that the bell perched above the frame rang. She'd no doubt stand outside, guarding the entrance and blocking off anyone trying to get out, whilst keeping watch. She was hardly intimidating, so I assumed she'd have a gun on her. No doubt they all would. As I watched her shadow framed by the moonlight steady behind the thin blind of the entrance, I felt the leader's eyes settle on me. Ignoring his gaze, I rubbed my temple, feigning a headache. I didn't want to give him any reason to approach me first. Feeling his eyes leave me, I looked up as he began to climb onto the table. Some other heads followed in mild amusement as he stood to his full height, forcing attention from the bewildered patrons. My waitress propelled herself from behind the counter, firing a volley of expletives, but the words travelled further than she did, freezing mid-stride, her jaw hanging slack in recognition of the object now unveiled in his hands. The entire diner was combined in a moment of silent incomprehension before he raised his sawn-off shotgun and released a blast of buck into the styrofoam ceiling tiles. In the small confines of the diner, the noise was absolutely deafening, and seconds later the ringing in my ears was replaced by a chorus of terrified screams. A tidal wave of human emotion overcame my senses, a harsh, painful noise that made me close my eyes and grit my teeth. Male or female, it's always hard to tell which is which when someone is truly scared. The shot must have gone through a strip light as the remaining lights joined in with the panic, blinking on and off in terror-stricken fear. Dust rained from the demolished ceiling tiles like ash and snow, the malfunctioning bulbs causing a strobe effect, giving the scene the look of a stop-motion nightmare. The lights managed to catch their breath and lit the entire scene in harsh reality, just as the leader brought the butt of his gun down on the head of the waitress's fat friend, who attempted a clumsy run for the kitchen. An exclamation mark of blood sparked from his skull and he collapsed, moaning into a crumpled heap on the vinyl-tiled floor. There was a sharp pause of bewilderment, but then the screams began anew with renewed vigour. The shooter had began to shout, and as his words took hold of the patron's attention, the screams wilted into sobs, and silence slowly descended across the diner. A heavy grey veil of violent intent had rolled over the room, a veil so heavy it bowed the heads of everyone, forcing their eyes to the floor. If you hadn't already guessed, this is a feckin' robbery. We're just here for the till money, and your bloody money, that's all. We're not here to hurt anyone. I'm sorry about that poor fella, but I had to show you we weren't arsing around. 
We've done this before and we're bloody good at it. So no heroes, okay? It's just bloody money and we need it more than you do. He was Irish. Dublin, I guessed. His relaxed brogue seemed to antagonise the intent of his language, but his exaggerated curses caused some to cower even more, as if the words themselves could cause harm. Your man here is going to come round with a bag. I want your wallets, phones and car keys. No one talks, just put everything in the feckin' bag. Until he comes around, keep your eyes on the ground and your hands on the table. You don't want to die in this hole now, do you? He let his words hang in the air for a moment. The silence almost as hostile as his words, daring someone to retaliate. There was no reply. He had his captive audience. The smaller of the two pulled his hood back as he approached the first table with an open duffel bag. Seeing him now in the light, he was younger than I first guessed, although it was hard to tell as his face resembled a crushed ball of paper. Complimenting his visage was a plaster over a recently broken nose. The redness from the injury radiating out across his cheeks forming blue and purple tipped wings under both eye sockets. His hairline seemed to be as repulsed by his face as everyone else and was making a hasty retreat across the top of his skull, leaving a few wispy footprints in its wake. He was a user, barbiturates most likely by the sorry state of his skin, like tissue paper caught in the branches of a winter tree. His flesh clung so closely to his bones that he looked like a bloodless ghost. I visibly flinched at the thought, and this is when he noticed me. You, you there, get your, get your, fe- get your wallet out now. Irish also, although the accent was further south. It was difficult to pinpoint as the drugs had seemingly ravaged his brain as well as his body. Calm down, John. Do the tables and I'll keep an eye on him. You might want to do what my friend said and get your wallet out there, son. Your man there's a little nervous and I'd rather he didn't make a mess. The leader had climbed from the table and taken position by the till, holding on to my waitress's hair who was on her knees by his feet. She was trembling so much her blouse appeared to be vibrating and her meticulous makeup had morphed into twin black streams that ran from her eyes into a red bloom around her mouth that was formerly her lipstick. I held up the palm of my left hand as I put my right into my shirt pocket, pulling out $40 and $5 notes, and threw it onto the table surface. The notes extravagantly fanned out as they hit the table, as if to proudly emphasise their lack of value. Is that it? Keys and phone there, son. Come on now, we're not playing around. His sentence was punctuated by a soundtrack of sobs as he pulled on the waitress's hair each syllable. She pleaded at me through wide, watercolour eyes. I don't have a phone. I don't have a car. I spoke to the leader, but my eyes stayed with the addict. What what the feck are you looking at, you, you stupid... He was cut off by a guffaw from his friend. Ha! You're Scottish? No wonder you only had 40 bucks on you, you tight bastard, you. I'm afraid I'm going to have to address the obvious white elephant in the room here, though, fella. Why would you be at a freeway diner if you didn't have a car now? I don't need a car. I don't use a mobile. We son. Just give them what they want. We all want to get through this. A whimpering voice drifted over from somewhere to my right. Could have been any one of them. You might want to listen to your man there, Jock. We're in a hurry, you see. I held both my hands in the air and shrugged, 
while still holding the attic stair. I gave him a smile. You f... He pushed the bag onto the floor, picked up his shotgun and came towards me. He seemed so weak that he had to rest one hand underneath the barrel to support his weight. I slowly put my hands face down on the table, careful not to break his gaze as he approached me. His exaggerated skill making his facial bruising look like oil and water. Without the gun, he would pose no problem. With the gun, much the same. Now, John, calm down now. We said we are going to be clean and quick. Will you just get the bag and we'll be done? What you looking at, you, you monkey freak? John stood in front of me, forcing his chest out with every sinew in his being. He clearly thought I was no threat. I held my smile. He violently thrust the tip of the barrel into my forehead, jerking my head back against the seat. My sight blurred for a moment as a cold trickle of blood welled in the corner of my eye from the semicircular gash in my forehead. As the blood caressed its way down the underside of my chin, I gave John an even bigger smile, this time a large, toothy grin. Through his self-inflicted fog of substance abuse, his brain struggled to make sense of what he'd seen, but in an instant the mist cleared and he turned in revulsion, just as the girl burst through the front door. There's a truck pulling into the car park. What's taking so long? She said. He's a fuck. That's all John managed as I quickly rose up from the table, grabbing his gun arm and yanking it away from his body. His weak frame relented in my grip, and using his arm to point his gun at the girl, I cradled his jaw and neck in my right hand, holding his face level with mine and looking directly at the leader. He levelled his gun at me, letting go of the waitress's hair. She clumsily crawled on her elbows under the nearest table, which made a poor job of concealing her considerable rear. Okay now, fella. Don't do anything rash here. We were never going to hurt anyone. We were just here for the cash, like we said. Just shoot the sculpture. I squeezed John's jaw tightly and I felt his drool run down the palm of my hand as he started choking in his own tongue. Don't hurt him or I'll shoot you, pal. Two of us, one of you, fella. Put him down and leave. Take the gun if you like, but just go. I turned my head, looking at the girl. It must have begun to rain outside as her black hair was flattened to her head and the night's moisture shined across her red cheeks. She was aiming the gun at me, but her shoulders were pushed far back betraying the fear in both the weapon in her hand and its intended target. Under the grime and misfortune, she was a pretty girl. Her green eyes nestled in teary hammocks that broke when she blinked. Put the gun down, turn around, walk away and forget about tonight. This is not you. Call your family, tell them you're sorry and go home. I spoke softly and deliberate. She glanced at the gun in my hand and I lifted the barrel towards the ceiling. She looked over my shoulder at the Irishman who was still pointing his gun at the back of my head. Jess, don't you feckin' go anywhere. This freak is just trying to scare you. We're in control. Your parents don't need you, Jess, but right now I do. Holding her eyes in mine, I shook my head. She took a step back towards the door and slowly lowered the gun. Her shoulders began quivering in time with the tears that were now streaming down her face. 
Keep your feckin' gun pointed at this prick, Jess. I... I, I'm sorry, Joe. I, I can't. She knelt and put the gun on the ground, and as she stood again I gave her a reassuring nod, and she quickly slipped out the door into the cool night air. No! You can't! I pulled back John's head, straining his neck and putting pressure on his already injured nose. His eyes pleaded and jolted from side to side in fearful discord. The same cowering voice came again from the corner of the diner. Please let us go, sir. We're just customers here and have no quarrel with either of you. Please let us leave and none of us will call the police. You could almost taste the subservience. It disgusted me. Sit down and shut up. Eyes now trained on me in a cacophony of confusion. If they thought I was their saviour, they were wrong. Okay now, Jock, we'll call this a day. I'll put the gun down now and follow my girl out. Just let go of my friend there and... Come closer. What? Come closer and we'll talk. Just the three of us. Keep the gun pointed in my head if you like. Like a child approaching the end of a diving board, he edged towards me until the barrel of his gun touched the skin of my throat and our free faces were breaths width apart. John's eyes darted furiously between us as his hot, panicked breath tried to force my hand away from his face through his nose. Go on then, I laughed. <laughs> of all the diners, you chose this one tonight. A second passed and watching my mouth, his pupils dilated fully as I sensed the kinetic motion that would precede him pulling the trigger. I hit him hard in the chest with my right arm and he flew backwards his thighs hitting the counter, sending him somersaulting behind the till. John startled and began to struggle. Pulling his gun hand back and grasping under his jaw, I wrenched hard, tearing his head from his neck, the only resistance being a slick popping noise. His body slumped to my feet with barely a sound, his sullied blood pulling on the parquet, almost relieved to escape its diseased host. Pandemonium. The twenty or so patrons nervously exploded from their seats searching for any exit they could find. Elbows flying and necks straining, they climbed over each other like frightened ants to reach the perceived safety of the dark. One man went straight through one of the main windows. A crescendo of grunts and smashed glass followed him into the light summer rain. More followed in his wake out the window, landing on his prostrate form crunching glass into his back as he struggled to catch his breath. The blinds blown by the breeze swung up towards the ceiling, almost as if they would do anything to stay away from the night, followed by the cool air and the swirling rain. The waitress was on her knees, trying to coax her friend from his stupor. He came too, and whilst she tried to lift him, pain caught up with his consciousness and he wailed out in agonised confusion. Her tears had melted her makeup into the mask of a nightmarish mime, and as he focused on her for the first time, he cried out again. I dropped both the gun and John's head, stepping over his legs as she recoiled behind his torso. As I walked on, she quickly scurried out the open door into the screams of the night, leaving her friend mumbling incoherently as I turned my back. I rounded the till and found the Irishman, face down, his left shoulder clearly dislocated his right arm outstretched to his gun lying just out of grasp. 
Squatting down beside him, I picked up the gun, checking on the fresh shell in the chamber. Attention on the weapon, he shook his head from side to side, as tears fled from his eyes in absolute terror. Please, please don't hurt me. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I won't, I won't ever... Don't apologise. I admire you. You take what you want. Just as God... No. Just as nature intended. Just as I do. I grabbed him by the throat and lifted him up against the thin wall looking directly into his eyes. The injured trucker had regained his senses and was wailing as he slipped drunkenly about on the tar-like blood that had streamed from the headless corpse at his feet. Still holding the Irishman's throat, I aimed the shotgun at the trucker's head and pulled the trigger, removing his face in a cloud of red mist. His body collapsed to the floor, limbs twitching and jerking independently of his limbs twitching and jerking independently of his control, oblivious to the fate of their host brain. The Irishman writhed and strained in revulsion at the scene. He'd obviously never seen what appliance of his threats could do, and it was unlikely he'd appreciate the irony of his present situation. What, what are you? An invitation of blood had spilled down his face from a deep gouge above his right eye, and I could feel the steady anticipation rise in my body. I fought to hold it back, but the excitement rolled up my back across my shoulders and into my arms, inadvertently tightening my grip around his throat, as if the very thirst were impatient itself. I leaned into his ear and whispered the last sentence his brain would ever be able to comprehend. There's always a bigger fish. I grabbed him by the hair and pulled his head back, exposing his neck. The sinews of his muscles rippled across his skin, slightly pulsed from the blood being forced through his veins. His elevated heart rate almost sympathetic to my thirst tempting me from within. He closed his eyes tightly as if hiding his mind would blind the pain. They all did. My chest swelled as I let the thirst take over and bit into his throat and tearing away at the skin, muscle and cartilage. Like a rose waking in the dawn light, his neck opened invitingly for me, blood pulsing from the wound. I put my lips to his throat and drank greedily. With each gulp I felt a warm wave washing through me, filling me with life as the Irishman slowly faded. As the flow stemmed I squeezed his abdomen hard and the stream gained in strength once more before finally dying. I pulled my mouth away and arched my back and screamed out into the air of the almost empty diner. Thus now satisfied, relinquished control over my senses and I looked at my prey as the last of his life left him. The fear was gone from his eyes, although there was no peace. A purely human invention to give meaning to the emptiness of death. His brain simply had stopped forming discernible emotion as his synapses slowly misfired. I released him into oblivion with a quick turn of his head and lay his body gently on the floor. As I walked into the cold night air, I looked towards the sky, letting the rain wash the fast congealing blood from my mouth and neck. 
The clouds gently glowed as the rain fell in infinite, exquisite patterns onto my face. I smiled and closed my eyes, enjoying the moment. The invigoration of my meal mixing with the godlike feeling of power that only the hunt can give. As the rain intensified into hard, unforgiving sheets, I looked across the parking lot, and the remains of the patrons who had left the diner in such haste moments earlier. Heads, arms, viscera. A result of a feeding frenzy. The teeming rain mixed with the steam rising from the still warm blood painted like a carpet across the lot. The younger ones had no control. Their hunger was driven by pure, ancient instinct. That's why I kept them outside, in the shadows, until the time was right. So we see, listeners, that in some diners, the best meal isn't always on the menu. And you may have to turn to your fellow customers for something really satisfying. Just one more word from friends of the Simply Scary podcast, but stay tuned for some exciting news and how you can become part of the mayhem... I mean, how you can become part of the fun... Would you like to get your business, project, or event in front of the Simply Scary podcast audience? Hundreds of thousands of fans of our show hearing your message. Think about it. You can join us in supporting the Simply Scary podcast by helping to sponsor our show. And in return, we can put you in front of our audience. Contact us today for a free consultation. Go to simplyscarypodcast.com and click on the Advertise link at the top of the page. You can set up a free consultation with us to decide what's the best way to represent your idea in front of our audience. And you get to support incredible broadcasting like we provide here on the Simply Scary Podcast. So contact us today about a free consultation. Go to simplyscarypodcast.com and click the Advertise link at the top of the page. And now, for the finale of our show... Welcome back, listeners. Now, keep those ears open as we let you in on some of the -the behind-the-scenes planning and frightful fun to come. First, it is time to reveal our selected review for this episode, and it is none other than... Drum roll, please! A fan to end all fans. The generous provider of a great review... Say Hedgehog. Say Hedgehog writes, The Chilling Tales for Dark Knights team has hit it out of the park with a show. Their voice actors are top-notch, and they always have stories sure to provide thrills. Simply Scary is spot-on. If you are a horror fan, don't skip this podcast. 
<laughs> Thanks for your feedback, say Hedgehog. It's comments like yours which keep our gutsiness going with gusto. You will need to email us a screenshot of your iTunes account page with your screen name pictured to verify your iTunes account and send it to contact at simplyscarypodcast.com to claim your prize. Remember, you too can have your comment read on the show, but only if you subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review, preferably with five stars. We just love to see all those stars. Now that the Evil Idol competition has come to a regrettable but fantastic end, it's time to announce the champion's new show, The True and Scary Podcast. It will be a program where we take real horrifying news and horrifying events and adapt them into even scarier audio dramas. Stay tuned for its arrival on iTunes, Stitcher, etc., We'd like to thank everyone who took the time to vote for the host. You can also support our creation of new audio plays by visiting chillingtalesfordarknights.com forward slash patrons and signing up for a membership. For as little as two measly and maggot-ridden dollars a month, you get high-quality audio recordings including many unreleased ones, isolated music tracks, and short films all available to download and play offline. For horror authors out there who'd like to see their stories adapted to audiobooks, contact us at simplyscarypodcast.com or reach out to us at contact at chillingtalesfordarknights.com. We can provide you with a great opportunity to terrify new audiences at competitive rates. If you think your story is creepy enough for the podcast, Visit simplyscarypodcast.com forward slash submit a story forward slash and we'll see if your story is simple and scary enough for us to work our magic on it. If you are interested in sponsorship opportunities for your business or event during our show, click on the advertise link at the top of the page on simplyscarypodcast.com. Thank you for joining us for our broadcast. I'm your host, G.M. Danielson. Remember, listeners, if you let your dinner get cold, it will start shivering. We will see you next time when we show you that there is nothing simple about being scared. Unless, of course, it is the Simply Scary Podcast. This is executive producer Jesse Cornett. If you like what you hear, be sure to check out more from these authors at simplyscarypodcast.com. There you can find all information regarding the show and the stories appearing here in our podcast. The Simply Scary Podcast is a production of Chilling Entertainment. The showcase is written by Jesse Cornett and Dustin Kosky and produced by Jesse Cornett. The host of the Simply Scary Podcast is GM Danielson. Original music during the show by Jesse Cornett. This broadcast was directed and created by Craig Groshek. Be sure to look for the Simply Scary podcast on iTunes. And if you like the show, leave us a five-star review. 
comments, or questions, email us at contact at simplyscarypodcast.com and check our website for more information. While you're there, consider clicking on the patrons link at the top of the page to help support our show. Copyright Chilling Entertainment, LLC, 2016. Thanks for listening. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.